Good morning. This is Evangelist Valerie Laurie coming to you with Proclaiming the Word of God. And today we're just going to be coming to you with a quick word. And we're going to be coming from Isaiah chapter 40, reading from verse 29 through 31. It's a familiar passage of scripture. So it reads like this. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And from these passages of scripture, we are going to be talking about God will enable you. God will enable you. You know, as I was a child, I grew up in the church, and there were many, many songs that were sang throughout my going to church as a youth. And so some of the songs we would go to choir anniversaries each year for the different churches and a couple of the songs that were sang were there was a song by James Cleveland and there was a song by the Mississippi Mass Choir that people tend to like and I thought about those songs one song is called I Don't Feel No Ways Tired by Dr. James Cleveland and then the other one was I'm Not Tired Yet by the Mississippi Mass Choir. And I was thinking to myself, some of that time and even some of the time in adulthood with the names of the songs, I'm like, sometimes I feel like I am tired. And so I'm like, I don't like the names of those songs. But then when you go back and you listen at the lyrics, then you get a whole different understanding of what they were singing about because they were singing about a relationship with the Lord and how if you've ever felt tired in your life the songs are about how you have the relationship with God and even though you may feel physically tired and mentally tired God enables you so in other words you're able to continue to run that race and not feel tired and weary and you keep on walking in your fellowship with the Lord. So Dr. James Cleveland's song, I Don't Feel No Ways Tired, he says, I don't feel no ways tired. I've come too far from where I started from. He says, nobody told me that the road would be easy. I don't believe he brought me this far. And then he goes on and he says, I've been sick, but God has bought me. I've been in trouble, but God has bought me. So that's his testimony. I've been friendless, but God has bought me. And I've been lonely, but God has bought me. And so I think these are things that as Christian believers, or even if you are not uh, in fellowship yet with the Lord, these are things that we all experience. And if you are honest and you admit it, you've been through it. Sometimes as being believers or Christians, we like to just if somebody asks you how you're doing, we just want to make it seem like everything's just going great and peachy. But that's not the way that life is. So I just wanted to encourage you that those of you who may be feeling exhausted and drained during this time, God will enable you and you will be able to make it. 
even the song by the Mississippi Mass Choir, I'm I'm not tired yet. They talking about the fellowship that that person is singing about, the fellowship that they've had with the Lord, talking about they've been working for Jesus a long time. They've been running for Jesus a long time, been singing for Jesus a long time, been running by day and praying by night. And they said they got to get going because it's a mighty hard fight. And then the lyrics go on to say something about they've been serving the Lord and living for him a long time. They've been praying to him a long time. And it's an uphill journey, but, but they're on their way working for Jesus and say something about um, they've got to got to say is they're not tired yet sometimes their burdens press them down sometimes they hasten the higher ground they can't hardly see their way and so they get on their knees and they begin to pray they running for Jesus by day and by night and it says something about they running with patience. They running the race set before them, running by grace and running by mercy. So what am I saying? These people, Dr. James Cleveland and the Mississippi Mass Choir, are trying to convey messages to us as the believer that life may have its trials, life may have its tribulations. But on the other side of it, then God will bring you through. God is going to empower you and equip you to be able to carry through in doing what you need to do in the trials and the tribulations that you have. So that is the song by Dr. James Cleveland and the Mississippi Mass Choir. And so when you think of it in natural, when you just hear the titles, you're like, that can't be true because I'm tired. I feel weary. I feel down and out sometimes because of so many pressures in life. But the thing about it is, is this. They were singing about the fellowship with God and that through it all, they've seen that God did enable them to be able to get through the things that they needed to get through. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah talks about the talks about a fellowship with God and a a way that God will carry you through. He says in that 29th verse, he says, and he's talking about God, he gives power to the faint. So God gives an ability to people who really feel tired. You can feel tired from so many pressures in life. You can feel drained and you can feel exhausted from taking care of the kids, from going to work, from the things that are happening in society. And you feel like you want to quit and you want to give up. But God gives you that ability. It says that he gives you power. He told us that we would receive power after that the Holy Ghost had come upon us. And if you stop and you think about it, as we as believers and Christians, we get up and we get going the very next day. We can have a hard day and the majority of the time, most of us just get up and just keep on pushing and pressing. It reminds me of being like that Duracell bunny. Y'all remember that commercial about the Duracell bunny where... He just keeps on and he's beating this drum. I believe he was the, he, he might have been the Energizer Bunny. But anyway, it was this bunny rabbit and he's beating the drum. He's, he's just beating that drum and he is just having a good time. Just keep on going and going and going. That may be Energizer, but it may be Duracell. That's a plug for somebody. But anyway, it says, And to them that have no might, 
no power, no strength. He increases strength. So we see that day by day with God. In the natural, it says, even the youth shall faint. So we look at youth as always having energy and always being on the go. But they get tired too. And they get weary. And then we look at it from the point that the young men shall utterly fall. But what the Isaiah is trying to get us to see that no matter who you are, our strength, our strength is given to us from God. So God equips us and he enables us to to be able to do those things that we need to do. I remember um, having a dream here of late and we're talking about this fellowship and this relationship that these songwriters were talking about. And we're talking about the things here that Isaiah is talking about here. And when he's comparing to uh, uh, not fainting and, and about in the natural youth will faint and young men will fall. But God equips us and he enables us to be able to go on in him. And so I remember seeing, uh, having a dream recently. And in the dream, I remember being in within a school building. And so in the school building, I, I just remember walking down the hall. But some kind of way, in my way back down the hall, I remembered having inside of me a thought in the dream that I was able to fly. And so... I began in the dream to, I flap, flap, raised up my arms like a bird, lifted up my arms and began to flap. But I was able to get up in the building and instead of flying, walking past the classrooms back to where I wanted to go, I was able to, I was able to fly back. I don't remember flapping. I remember flapping to get started, but I remember being able to fly back down the hallway, back down to the room because I was really in the dream. I think I didn't want to disturb back where I had walked, but I was able to rise above and to fly back to my destination. And so Isaiah is wanting us to know that God will renew And he will enable us to get through whatever it is that we need to get through. It says in Isaiah 31, he says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So the ability to wait on the Lord, to serve the Lord, the ability to wait on him to move in times when we need him to move. The Bible says that that they that wait upon the Lord, there's a, uh, automatic guarantee that he's going to renew your strength. So if I could ask somebody out there, how many times has God renewed your strength? How many times has God given you like uh, Popeye, the sailor man, the cartoon used to get renewed by eating spinach. God renews us with his, his power. God renews us with his might. God renews us with his strength. So whereas we felt weak or we felt faint, you can count on God to lift you up. It says, they that mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary. So when an eagle has, a, uh, there's a storm, 
the eagle will raise up his wings and then the eagle he will glide on the wind the wind will carry him above the storms the dream that I had it seems like the Lord was telling me to rise up against all the issues and because it was a school setting it's like I was in a training process but I had the ability to rise up against and fly over all of those situations and stuff it says they shall run and not be weary so we got to keep on serving God we got to keep on moving in God that's the ability to run that's the ability to get to where God wants us to go and then we keep on uh, walking with him hearing his voice praying to him seeking his face and that gives us that ability because he as we're sending up our prayers unto God and we're talking to God and we keep on serving him God is sending down strength and power and ability and might and his voice to us so that we're able to to keep on in this race and not give up it says they shall walk and not faint so he's given us that strength to keep on running for him. Just like those uh, lyrics, lyrics were saying in those songs, keep on fighting for him and to not utterly give up. We'll be able to walk. We'll be able to walk out the things of God, walk in his word, walk in the grace of God. We'll be able to lift up our hands in every situation. In every situation, we'll know how to be abased and we'll know how to be, how to abound. We'll know how to go through lack and we'll know how to uh, how to be able to praise him when everything is going wonderful. So this is the fellowship that we have with God. He is on the inside of us and we have Christ in us, that hope of glory, who keeps us going and moving in the right direction, who gives us that ability to praise and to keep on going in God. So the Bible says that we shall be able to walk and not faint. So we have within us this Christ, this hope of glory. And because he is on the inside of us, we don't quit. We don't give up. We just keep moving on in him because we have fellowship with our God. And anybody out there who's listening to me this morning, God will enable you to be able to rise above your circumstances. Yes, it does get hard sometimes. And yes, you do feel like giving up, but don't give up. Just fall on your knees and pray and talk to the Lord and God will help you to work things out. God is our heavenly loving father and he he sends his rain upon the just and upon the unjust and God cares for you. So child of God, if you're listening to me, no matter what you're going through, God cares about you and God is going to help you through your situations. And if you don't know Christ, just know that God still is watching over you. And if you want to get to know him, just just say, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and I'm asking and shed his blood for me. And Lord, I want to live for you. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of the lamb. And Lord, I believe that I am born again. I accept you as my personal savior. And if you can do that, and you mean that from the sincerity of your heart, then you are born again. So this has been the word for today. 
And I hope that I have said something that's of an inspiration to you. And just know, God will enable you and you can make it. So don't give up. Don't quit. Because they that wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings of eagles. They shall uh, run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. So you going to be all right. You going to be all right. God will enable you and God's going to work it out for you. This has been Evangelist Valerie Laurie coming to you with proclaiming the word of God. Until we meet again, be blessed and bye-bye. Hello, this is Evangelist Valerie Laurie coming to you with Proclaiming the Word of God. So happy to be able to be here with you today, and we wanted to do another podcast, and we are a little bit behind on what we do, so we're going to do a Bible study, and we're going to be coming out of the sixth chapter of Matthew, the sixth chapter of Matthew, and we're going to be taking a look at some of the concepts that Jesus taught on his sermon on the Mount. Here it is that the multitudes have heard about Jesus and they've come out to listen at him speak. And so then that sixth chapter of Matthew, let's look at some of the concepts that Jesus was teaching. So if you can imagine being at a concert or being at a a major sporting event or any, anywhere there where the person who's speaking is popular, well, we have the Savior here, and he is speaking, and people have come out to hear him because he's speaking a word that they have never heard before, and he's teaching, and he's got power. And so let's take a look at some of the concepts that he was teaching on this day at the Sermon on the Mount. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 1. And it reads like this. It says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, They have their reward. So what Jesus is talking about here is that whatever good you're going to do to help humanity, do what you're going to do and do it out of the goodness of your heart. And don't do good things for people just to get accolades and pats on the back about look how good he is or look how good she is. She's giving to the poor. He's giving to the poor. What God wants us to do is when we're going to do good deeds, don't get up and put people on blast that you did it. Do what you're going to do and and don't sound a trumpet about it. Don't tell everybody that you did it, but just do what you're going to do to help somebody. He says that it's better that we don't let uh, 
our left hand know what our right hand is doing. So that means you don't have to go put stuff on blast when you do it. Because when you do things to help other people, God sees what you're doing. And what God sees you do in secret, God will reward you when you're doing good things in secret. God is going to reward you openly. So that's the concept that he taught about alms. That's the first concept that we look at. And we're not going to read all of this, uh, this whole chapter, but we want to see if we can get through this whole chapter. So let's look at concept number two that he was talking about. So in concept number two, we see him talking about prayer. And a lot of people don't like to pray. Some people just love to pray and they are prayer warriors. For a prayer warrior, it's not hard to pray. But Jesus is teaching the concept about prayer. And so we find in that fifth verse, let's look at concept number two. Let's talk about prayer. And so Jesus says that he talks about when you pray, he says, don't be like hypocrites. He said, this is what, this is the way hypocrites pray. He says in that fifth verse, he says, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues, amen, and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto thee, they have their reward, amen. So when you pray, Jesus says, he talked about how hypocrites do it. And I'm going to tell you how some people pray. Oh, thou great and mighty God, oh, Lord, few of your humble children have come before your presence. We gathered here one more time. And then when you hear them the next time, oh, thou great and mighty God, a few of your humble children are gathered here and we come before your presence. Oh, Lord, we don't know why you do what you do, but God, we know that you do. And then the next time you hear, oh, God, we are gathered together for your humble children. Well, what am I saying? I'm saying this. Jesus is talking about the concept of prayer. And he's talking about how people come together. And they want to be seen praying. They want to be standing here, they say, standing in the synagogues, seen of men. But this is what Jesus said. He'll talk a little bit later about the repetitions. Because prayer is a dialogue between you and your heavenly father. And when you have a dialogue with your father, if you had a good, good father, then you just talk to your father just like I'm talking to you now. And so you don't have to come with a whole bunch of vain repetitions. And Jesus says that when you pray, he says in the sixth verse, he says, go into your closet and pray to the father in secret. And the father who sees in secret just like he said about the arms deeds, what you do in secret, when you pray in secret, God going to reward you openly. Amen. He says, don't try to just get up there and be repetitious. Don't think that you're going to get heard for your much speaking. He says, because your heavenly father, he knows what you need even before you ask. And some folks will come to you and they'll say, if especially if you are a prayer warrior and you've been praying, they say, will you please pray for me? Cause God hear your prayer. But I want you to know child of God, God hears your prayer too. Amen. 
God hears you when you cry. God will hear your prayer just like he heard mine. Don't try to compare yourself when it comes to prayer. Don't try to compare yourself to other folks. You go to your heavenly father just like you are. I don't care if you a baby and a little bitty child. A little child can pray. Lord, help my parents. A little child can pray. You just go to God just as you are. You be you before God. Don't worry about deacon so-and-so. Don't worry about reverend so-and-so. Don't worry about prophetess so-and-so or prophet so-and-so or apostle so-and-so. You talk to God right where you are. And God hears you. He gives them a concept of prayer. Amen? He gives them that concept of prayer. And so go to God just like you are. And you're going to see that as you fellowship with God in prayer, you're going to feel a new awakening coming up on the inside of you. You're going to feel a new awareness of God in your life. Hallelujah. You're going to feel God like you never felt him before when you come to him in prayer. That's called fellowship. That's called building our relationship with the Lord. Let's look at another concept that he talked about. And in this concept, this is concept number three. And he's talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know, the enemy wants us to not never forgive. Hold grudges. Be mad at people forever. Sometimes people get mad at folks. They don't even remember what they're mad about. They know they're mad about something. But if so long ago, they should have let it go. But here Jesus is talking about you need to forgive. Jesus was speaking relevant. Things, things with man, they don't really change. So what was relevant here in the Bible is still relevant now. And he's talking about the concept of forgiveness. So let's look at here in verse number 12. He says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is part of the prayer of the Lord's prayer. And he said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So in this manner of prayer that he's teaching the disciples, that he's teaching the multitudes, that we are to forgive. Now in verse 14, he says, for if you forgive me in their trespasses, and that's a if, because we got a choice to forgive folks. We either can forgive them or we can hold on to grudges. But there's that's an if clause. If you're going to forgive men their trespasses, it says your heavenly father will also forgive yours. So if you leave the if out and you don't forgive, then we know that God is not going to forgive us. The same way you treat folks is the way you're going to get treated by God. You treat folks good because Men are created in the image of God. It's a choice how we live. But the choice is, is that God wants all men to come to him. How are you going to treat folks? If you're going to forgive people, God's going to forgive you. But if you're not going to forgive people, don't expect God to forgive you. Jesus is showing us forth his grace and his mercy. He sent Jesus to the cross. When Jesus died on that cross for your sins and my sins, we weren't clean. We were dirty. 
We were filthy rags. And he still hung on the cross for you and me. He hung on that cross for you and me. So we, if he can forgive us how we were, then we need to express that same grace and mercy to other people and forgive them. Amen. So let's look at that fourth concept. That fourth concept he's talking about is found in that 16th verse. That fourth concept he's talking about fasting. And so this is what he says to the people. This is what he's saying to the multitudes. He said, moreover, when you fast, be not as hypocrites. I'm at that 14th verse in the sixth chapter of Matthew. He says of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. But when thou, but thou when, he says, but thou, when thou fasteth, anoint thy head and wash your face. He means get yourself together. Look normal so that nobody really knows what's going on with you. And this is a matter that's between you and God. You got this fast thing going on and you undercover because this is a private matter. This is between you and the Lord. He says that in that 18th verse, that thou appearest not unto men to fast, but unto the Father, which is in secret, and the Father, which sees in secret, shall reward thee openly. So here it is. He's saying it again. What the Father sees in secret, he'll reward you openly. Because you're not doing this fast unto men. You're not disfiguring your face and let yourself becoming disheveled. You're looking just like you normally look, looking good. Amen. Because your fast is unto the Lord and it's not unto men. Amen. So he said he said this about fasting. Let's look at that fifth concept that he taught them. And that fifth concept. We see it right here in verse number 19. And here we go with what what mankind loves. What men love is money. They love treasures. They love riches. They love the good things. It was a song out. um, It was years ago. I'm O.B. It's a secular song. I'm O.B. It was by the Black Eyed Peas. I'm going to be living that good life. I'm going to be living that good life. And there was a song out called Money, Money, Money. Money, Money, Money. Some people got to have it. Some people really need it. And that was uh, some of the lyrics that were in the song. So Jesus knows where our hearts be sometimes. And what he's trying to teach is the concept that our hearts need to be rich toward God. And not have a heart that's rich towards the treasures that are in this world. So let's look and see what he's saying about laying up treasures. And this is the fifth thing he talked about. That 19th verse he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust Dove corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Where's your heart? There's a girl, there's a commercial on TV. It says, 
What's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? So I guess the question would be, what's in your heart? Is your heart full of the riches and the things of this world? But Jesus, one thing you never be able to do, you can't take that stuff with you when you go. So he's talking to him and he says that you look at the things here on the earth. They, they, they will go bad. They will be corrupt. Thieves will break through and steal. When your heart is tied up in all these riches, you worry about somebody coming to get your stuff. You can't take it with you. But Jesus said you need to lay up treasures in heaven. Do the good things. That's when you're laying up treasures. Do the things that God wants. We got to do what God wants us to do. And I put us in there because when the preacher preaches, the preacher teaches, the preacher, whatever the preacher says, the preacher's talking to you, but he's also talking to himself because we all in this boat together. So we got to lay up treasures and we got to lay up treasures in heaven. He says in that 21st verse, he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So I asked the question, what's in your wallet? Now the question is, what's in your heart? Amen. Got to be rich towards God. Got to be rich towards him. You might not have what, what Bill Gates has or some of the richest people, but I can stop by to tell you that if you got God in your heart, amen, you got peace in your heart, amen, you got love in your heart, hallelujah, you rich, you rich, you got a forgiving spirit, you got a humble spirit, you rich, you can wake up, you're happy. There's some people that wake up, they got all the money in the world, they go buy these things, they go do all this stuff, but they not happy. You know why? Because we talked about that fellowship, amen. We talked about that, the good things of God, they don't have that. Amen. They don't have that light shining in them like you as a believer. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at that sixth concept. So he's talking about light. Amen. You got to be rich towards the things of God. Rich, rich, rich towards the things of God. Now, if we were to be sitting by a light right now, Light dispels darkness. Amen. Light dispels darkness. You can go in a dark room. You recently we had the power to go off in the city where I live. And the power, when the power went off, it was night. It was so dark you couldn't even see. Even if you knew your house without having on a a, a candle or having a flashlight, you couldn't see anything because the lights went off when it was night and it was pitch black so let's look and see what he says about the eye and light this is the sixth concept that he's talking about so he says in that 22nd verse the light of the body is the eye so question is what you looking on what you've been watching what you've been putting before your eyes amen he says therefore thine He says, if therefore thine eye be single, meaning is your eye single? Are you looking through the eyes of the Lord? 
Are you seeing what God sees? Do you see what I see? You remember that song? Do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? Is what God is saying. Do you see what I see? Is your eye single? Are you looking on the good things of God? He says, if your eye is single, he says, thy whole body shall be full of light. Because what you reflect on is going to get in your heart. Amen. So when it's in down in your heart, then your behavior is going, you're going to show forth that glory of God because you've been looking on the good things of the Lord. You've been trying to see it through the eyes of God. You've been following after what God says in his word. Thy eye is single. He says, but if thy eye be evil, so then I look on the things that are in the world. I do what my flesh wants me to do. That's the other choice that you can make. I watch what I want to watch and I let float in my ears whatever I want to float in my ears. Amen. He says, therefore, I'm in that 23rd verse. Therefore, the light that is in thee be darkness. So he says, the light that is in thee be darkness. So if you got darkness in darkness, then you just dark. Amen. You just dark. And then he asks a question. He uh, makes a statement rather. He says, if therefore the light that is in thee be dark, how great is that darkness? We see darkness right now in our world. Amen. The light of the church has to arise. Amen. Those who are doing the walking in the word of God got to arise. We got to shine forth that light. Amen. Because right now what we see in our world is a world that's got an eye, but it's full of darkness. Amen. Hallelujah. That it is not walking with God. Amen. That it is walking with the world, the standards of the world. And done put God on the back burner. But how great is that light, which he says is darkness. How dark are you on the inside? How dark, how dark, how dark. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to arise and to stand. He says, but, and let me ask that question one more time. He says, if thy, but if thy eye, I'm in that 23rd verse of Matthew 6, but if thine eye be evil, and we see it running rampant, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Hallelujah. So those who stand together, with the enemy, they have an eye full of darkness. Amen. And sin runs rapid. Oh, hallelujah. All across the earth, oh God. Oh, but there is a standard. There is a standard of almighty God who is wanting his Christians to rise up and show forth light. Light dispels darkness. Remember when I said that our lights went off in our city here recently, and it was in the nighttime that it went out. And you stop and you think about when the when it's dark outside, at least we have the lights that are in our house, and we are able to see. But in this situation, it was dark. And even those things that were familiar, that you think about the the concept of when the church is raptured out of here and the church is no longer here. Think about how gross darkness is going to fill the earth. Here it is that in the Bible is light. Light dispels darkness. So we got to show for our light. 
Let's look at what he, Jesus taught. Let's go to concept seven. And we find that he's talking in seven about you can't serve two masters. Amen. Hallelujah. You cannot serve two masters. Let's look and see what he says. Let's see how, what the multitude was hearing on that day. Can you imagine that a pen, if you could have dropped a pen, sitting up in this place at this Sermon on the Mount, you was outside, but it probably could have heard a pen drop because the word was teaching the word. Jesus Christ was teaching the word. And they said that when Jesus would teach, he didn't teach like scribes and Pharisees because the word, the Messiah couldn't teach like a scribe and a Pharisee because he teaching firsthand knowledge. He ain't teaching something that he heard from somebody. He teaching what he knew because he's been in the presence of almighty God. Amen. So let's look at what he said in verse number 24. And we're talking about concept seven and we're talking about no man can serve two masters. Amen. So he says in verse 24 of Matthew 6, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Amen. Amen. So I looked up mammon and mammon one verse uh, in, the, uh, in the dictionary says, is wealth regarded as an evil influence or a false object of worship and devotion? So the concept of a master, when a master is there, the master is the one who directs the shots. If somebody is truly your master, he directs the shots. If God is your master, he directs the shots. If Satan is your master, he directs the shots. Amen. We consider ourselves as believers, as servants of the most high God. God looks at us as his children. He looks at us as his sons and and daughters. And as the concept was taught to us of our fellowship and connection with God in this time they understood what it was to be a servant that means that you serve that you do the bidding of the master but if your concept uh, you understand that concept of doing the bidding of the master if you're tied in with mammon you're tied in with the wealth the influence of others even if they are evil That's serving mammon. You're making a choice. You're either going to choose to serve God or you're going to choose to serve mammon. I was watching a television show here recently. And this person in this series, I was watching this on Netflix. And the, the guy is a driver. And the guy is a driver for this very wealthy man. And so this very wealthy man has an enemy and the very wealthy man has an enemy that is trying to blackmail him. So he comes up with the concept that in order to get out of the blackmail, he needs to kill his enemy. The rich man has a chauffeur and the chauffeur is loyal to his boss. 
The rich man asks the chauffeur to help him and that he expected loyalty. He comes and he says that, can you be trusted? And that it's just a matter of loyalty. And so what the rich man asks of his chauffeur, he asks his chauffeur, I need you to kill my enemy. And the chauffeur turns around and he looks at him. And I'm saying as I'm watching the show, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Can you imagine in the mind of the chauffeur? And I haven't seen beyond that segment. But can you imagine in the mind of the chauffeur, the things that are going on, his mind probably had to be racing. I know this is a TV show, but if it were to come up, your mind would be racing. Here it is, my boss. I've always been loyal to my boss. I've always done everything that my boss wants me, me, me to do. My boss got my paycheck. Can you imagine? He's saying, I got all these bills that I need to pay. I got a family that I need to take care of. I'm pulling this to the real world. And my boss has asked me to do this thing. I've always, I've worked for him for years. I've always been loyal. But he's asking me to do something that God says, I, I, I know that God ain't told me to do that. What do you do when you got in this situation? You can't serve two masters. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve mammon? Are you going to look out for the riches, the things and the prestige and the connection that he has with his boss? Or is he going to gravitate towards his God? What is he going to do? God is asking us that same question. What are we going to do? Are we going to serve the riches of this world? And just like the treasures that he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where men can't break through and steal. Is he going to lay down his conscience? And are we going to serve mammon or are we going to serve God? We got to make a choice. We got to make a choice. We got to make a choice. You cannot serve two masters. Your best bet is to serve God. Amen. You might lose some things, but I guarantee you that if you make the right choice in your life, God is going to always bless you. Amen. Cannot serve God and mammon. Keep that in your mind. Make the right choice in life. Choose God. Let's look at that eight concept that he talked about. And let's go to Verse number 25. And this is what he's talking about. Verse 25. He's talking about don't take no thought for your life. And what is he talking about in this whole concept? Don't worry about being taken care of, just like I said. And that's why he's coming from mammon going to this. Because if you got to make the hard choices in life, you got to let your light shine. God's going to take care of you. Amen. Hallelujah. God is going to take care of you, child of God. Somebody out there who's listening to this Bible study, you needed to hear that. God is going to take care of you. And then just say it after me. God is going to take care of me. Come on. Be be confident in the Lord. Know that God is going to take care of you. So let's look at concept eight. It says in verse 25 of Matthew 6. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor 
yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than the meat. Amen. And the body, the raiment. Then he talks about birds in the air in verse 26. They don't reap. Uh Uh-huh. They don't sow. They don't gather in the barns, but the Lord feeds them. Amen. He talks about you can't by thinking add any uh, thing to your stature. He's talking about why take you thought for raiment. And then he talks about consider the lilies of the field. How talking about how they grow and they don't toil. But even Solomon, the richest man on the world, he wasn't arrayed like one of the lilies that God has out here. He talked about we can be concerned about clothes and all this stuff. That stuff is going to wither away. He uses the concept of the grass. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow because it's burned up in the in the heat of the day. That That's what he's talking about in verse 30. So you, you don't need to be worried about clothes and fashion. And then he asked a question, oh, ye of little faith, when you're worried. So when you got to make these choices with God, he's giving the reassurance that I'm going to take care of you. Anybody out there listening to me that you having a hard time, God going to take care of you. You watch and see. I, I used to worry years ago when I was raising my daughter how I was going to make ends meet. I didn't have governmental support. I didn't have child support. And it was just me and my job, me and my daughter. But I found a concept. Wow, when I used to worry, hallelujah, I found out something. God always took care of me. Yes, he did. Lord always helped me. The Bible declares, take no thought in verse 31. He says, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? Because you you better than a bird. Hallelujah. He fed the birds. He'll feed you. Amen. He said, what shall we drink? Hallelujah. He says, what shall we be clothed? You're not a lily, but he's going to take care of you. He says, for all these things, I'm in verse number 32. All these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. So he said he shall supply every need according to his riches and glory. Through Christ Jesus. So if I got a need and I got a father, my father's going to supply my needs. Amen. Your needs, my needs, the saints needs. Amen. When my father was alive, I didn't worry about whether or not I was going to eat. I didn't worry about the roof over my head. My father took care of that. Amen. So we got a, 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 a earthly father. But we got a better heavenly father. Amen. We know our heavenly father is going to take care of us. Hallelujah. 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 And so we got that trust and that assurance in him. And I'm getting ready to wrap up this Bible study because I'm a little bit over my time. But it says, let's look at that last concept we see here. Let's look at concept number nine. He's talking about. But first, seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So we seek to please the heavenly father. 
We seek to be in fellowship with him. We seek to operate by that Holy Spirit, the government living on the inside of us. You have a whole kingdom on the inside of you. God is backing you up, child of God. You are under a sovereign king, a sovereign king named Jesus, our almighty God. Hallelujah. And you got a helper on the inside. Hallelujah. And that government of God, it works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, somebody. God's, God's kingdom works. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, we just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. We just say thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I had to take that praise break right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So we seek in God in his kingdom. So when we do our alms deeds, God, we seek in you. We want your approval, God, not man's approval. Oh, God, when we pray into you, God, we want your approval, oh, God. Hallelujah. Oh, God, when we're saying, Lord, I forgive them, God. We're seeking the kingdom of God. Oh, Lord, we're trying to live by the standards of God, oh, God. When we fast, oh God, oh God, we're doing it, oh God, for you, hallelujah. Oh God, when we're laying up treasures, God, we don't get caught up in money and wealth and prestige and power, God, hallelujah, but we're caught up in you. We've made a choice, God, that you are our master, oh God, hallelujah. We're not worried, oh God, because we know, God, that you're going to take care of us. So we seek in him in the kingdom we seeking to please the father lord we know you're going to meet our needs we don't worry the bible declares take no thought for tomorrow meaning that i go to bed at night i know that god's got my provision today i know that god is going to speak to me and show me what to do and i do my part god's going to do that part that i can't do hallelujah come on somebody God will do his part if you do yours. Amen. God will be walking right beside you. You do what you do. God will do what he does. Amen. Because that's how our father is. Amen. He says in that 34th verse, and I'm done. He says, take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. So in other words, live one day at a time. Don't be all worried and anxious. Don't be all fretful and scared. Don't let the enemy come in and speak lies to your head. Your heavenly father is going to take care of you. I speak this to anybody out there who's going through a situation. God got this. It says, take no thought. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So, child of God, don't worry about it. God got you. God got you. God got you. You're going to be all right. I just wanted to give you a word. And we're talking about how Jesus was teaching and preaching on that sermon on the mount. Hallelujah. God got you, child of God. You're going to be all right. Don't worry about it. God got you. God got you. When you go to bed tonight, 
and you go about your day, you be in peace. God got you. Hallelujah. So we studied today out of Matthew 6, chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount, a part of that Sermon on the Mount. So I hope that I have said something of encouragement to you today. And I'm asking you to subscribe to my podcast. And I'm also asking you to do me a favor. Share my podcast with somebody. You never know who needs to hear this message. And there is an anointing on it when you share the message. When you help me to spread the gospel, you are the evangelists and you are the witnesses for Jesus Christ. So thank you for listening to this broadcast. And until we meet again, I want you to be blessed. And just know you're going to be all right. This has been Evangelist Valerie Laurie with Proclaiming the Word of God. Until we meet again, be blessed and bye-bye.